1: Hey, what's up, everybody? Happy Monday to you. Hope you had a great weekend, and uh, your week is off to a fantastic start. So let's jump right into this, man, TNC355. I am your host, Michael Montero, this Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. As always, I ask you guys to pay that fee. It is non-monetary. All I ask is that you spread the word about the show. Post it on your social media, Uh, Get it out there to your boxing friends, even to your non-boxing friends. Tell them about the show. That's all I ask. You guys do that for me every week. If you get something out of the show, if you feel I did a good job, I entertained you, then just pay the fee. That's it. All right. So TNC 355, this is the live video broadcast going on, on YouTube where we're doing it every Monday. Uh, right now we're doing it a little bit earlier than we we used to. We used to go at like 5 p.m. Eastern. Now we're going at 3 p.m. Eastern. This is just easier for me right now, guys, with what I got going on in my life. At some point we'll change it back or potentially go to a morning show. I'm I'm exploring that uh, possibility as well. And then some of you guys have asked about the Friday wrap up. Right now I'm just not able to do it. I got too much going on, but eventually we will get back to it here, okay? If you can't see the live video, of course, uh, you can listen to the audio pod on podcast platforms around the world. Just look for Montero Unboxing, the neutral corner. You will find me. Make sure you're subscribed, leave a review, a rating, all that good stuff. All right, let's uh, let's jump right into this, man. there's not a whole lot going on this weekend to preview but we had a pretty loaded weekend uh with fights not many great fights they're mostly showcase fights but we'll go through them and review it if you guys want to jump in on the phones uh we could do a few phone calls i'm not sure how long this show will go honestly because there's just not a whole lot going on right now on the schedule uh we got a good one later this month Alexander Usyk getting back in the ring Uh, the guy who I think is the best heavyweight in the world right now, getting back in the ring uh, to defend his belts, uh, one of them against uh, one of the mandatories he has. So uh, we'll talk about that, you know, in the coming weeks. But this weekend, the schedule's kind of thin. Anyway, last Saturday, August 12th, let's get right into this. Uh, We'll start over in London, matchroom boxing on the zone. Um, A a card of heavyweights, a, a lot of heavyweights fought, uh, on this event, and you know on on paper, this looked like it was gonna be a fun, entertaining heavyweight card, but some of the fights just weren't that good. Uh, it just the action did not turn out that good. But in the main event, Anthony Joshua scores a ko seven win over Robert Hellanius. and of course, there are people on X, which is I, I still I can't it's so weird calling it that. I, I'm just gonna call it Twitter for a while. I know I'm just gonna be that old guy that keeps calling it Twitter. Um, but there were people on Twitter, you know, immediately looking at, uh, Deontay Wilder's performance against Hellanius and comparing that to Anthony Joshua's and, you know, the cult was getting involved because remember, it's not just Spence Crawford. It's not just Wilder Fury now, or, you know, it has been for a better part of a decade, this thing between Deontay Wilder fans and Anthony Joshua fans. And the, um, the PBC dick riders and the matchroom dick riders. And so there's constant comparisons between these two. And, and, and look, after the fight, uh, Joshua was asked about Wilder. We'll address that in just a minute. Okay. But look, the, the, the triangle theory bros were having a little fun this weekend. My thing is this styles make fights and clearly Joshua was trying to work on some shit. He's with his 5,000th trainer in the last few years. And he was working on some stuff. And I, I I tweeted about this before the fight. I said, look, uh, hellenius is going to go rounds. He's going to go rounds, and then he's going to get knocked out. That's what I said would happen. That's exactly what did happen. And it was a one-punch knockout, like I said, was going to happen. Uh, that's what hellenius does. hellenius actually in spots is a good uh, athletic heavyweight that can do some good things, but he gets lazy. He has complete lapses in there where he just kind of I'm not going to say he freezes up, but he just kind of goes to sleep mentally and he gets caught and Joshua caught him with a great right hand, uh, put him out in the seventh. And that was that. So look, it was, um, you know, a solid win for for Joshua and Helenius, I should mention was a last minute replacement. Uh, He was supposed to fight Dillian White. Joshua was and Dillian White tested positive, apparently for a banned substance. I still, I, I don't think we know what banned substance that was yet. I haven't seen it reported anywhere but um so he was out they found helenius and boom that's what it was so robert helenius saved this event he really did and um uh eddie hearn and anthony joshua thanked helenius after the fight for kind of saving the event because you know they had sold a lot of tickets and everything else and um but the question going forward uh, by the way, Hellenia should retire. He's he's been flattened twice in recent years by Wilder. Uh, I think Wilder was last year, and then by Joshua this year. But guys, don't forget, a couple years before that, he was flattened by uh, Gerald Washington. So so th- this guy, he's just been stopped several times in recent years. He's made good money his last two fights. He needs to call it a day. But right after this, right in the ring, Joshua was asked about Deontay Wilder next, and that is still a big fight. That's still a marketable fight. It's a big fight in London. It would be fairly big here in America if it was in Vegas, but not nearly as big as it would be in London. They could even put it over in Saudi Arabia and just go for the money, which we all know is likely to happen. Um, But it's definitely going overseas. It's either gonna be in London or in Saudi Arabia. It's not gonna be, or Dubai or something. It's not gonna be here in the United States. There's a lot of conjecture about that matchup and the Colt has made it this, you know, um, eh, I don't know what the right word is intense type of discussion, right? Like they always do. And this has gone on for years. So I tweeted yesterday and I'm going to say it again, or maybe it was, no, it was yesterday. I'm going to say it again right here. And I've talked about this for years. I've always favored Anthony Joshua in a matchup against Deontay Wilder. I have certain reasons for thinking that. If and when it happens, listen, I, I totally get that Wilder could land that big right hand. And Joshua is a head case. He he's just mentally all over the place. And he could he could get caught. Um, he's tight. You know, ever since Vladimir Klitschko put him down, an old Vladimir Klitschko coming off a of what, a year and a half layoff, nearly two-year layoff, was able to put him down and just wasn't able to finish him. Um, I I do think if Vladimir had Emmanuel Stewart in his corner that night, he would have finished Joshua right then and there. Uh, But his brother Vitaly and Jonathan Banks just gave him poor advice either way. After Klitschko put Joshua down, he's been a different fighter. And then the losses, not just the Ruiz loss, like the Ruiz loss was really bad, right? It was really, really bad. But I, I think people overrate that loss. I, I just think that was a really bad night at the office for Joshua. He was kind of compromised coming into that fight. It was another last-minute replacement. Did not go well for him. By the way, the last-minute replacement situation with you know what happened with Ruiz, I think AJ remembered that going into this fight with Hellenius, and that's why he was cautious early on. Um, so he's just got a lot of demons, you know? But the two fights with Usyk, where he was just completely outboxed by such a smaller man. A guy who boxed, I think, is a middleweight at one point in, in the amateurs. Uh, Usyk was able to just outbox him, outcraft him. Um, it was more He's just more athletic. He's a better athlete. He's just better at everything except for natural size and strength. And I think those losses are what really messed Joshua up. As bad as the Ruiz loss was, he avenged it. They did the rematch, and he completely outclassed Ruiz in the rematch. That's the truth. And Ruiz has done dick since. He's done nothing, right? Joshua's gone on to do some things in the division since that point. Ruiz has done nothing. So um, you got to give Joshua that much credit. But the losses to Usyk I really think messed with him because he wasn't just knocked out. It wasn't some fluke knockout thing like with Ruiz. He was outboxed, he was outgunned, he was outthought, he was out everything except for power um, by Usyk. And so that really bothered him. It really, really did. And he's just seemed like kind of a, a head case since that point. Like the, the interviews, the way he talks, it's just it's a strange guy. He just says some weird, weird things. And that tends to happen to people that are put in a spotlight at an early age in their life and there's a lot of pressure put on them. Sometimes they just get a little weird, man. You see that with like child actors and stuff. And that's just kind of the vibe I get from AJ. All that being said, I still favor him to beat Wilder. And and, and I I will own it if and when it happens. And Wilder uh, intimidates Joshua and, and gets him all stiff and catches him with that right hand and knocks him out. It absolutely could happen. I'll own it. But I have certain reasons for thinking Joshua wins that fight just in terms of styles. I'm not going to discuss all that yet because they haven't even fought. There are, they're, they're, they haven't even signed the fight, but if, and when they do and we start breaking it down and previewing it, I'll give you guys all the specifics of why I say this, but just basics right now, I'll just say, look at their resumes. And I know a lot of people think I get on Wilder too much. I, you know, I've been highly critical. It's not really Deontay Wilder. I'm critical of it's his protectors and the people that have propped him up. If you look at his resume, it's very, very weak. It just is. It's very weak. Um, you compare that to Joshua's Joshua's heavyweight resume in terms of the, the quality of opposition, the guys he has fought. I I didn't say the guys he's beat the guys he's fought. He has the best resume since Vladimir Klitschko. He just does. I don't know how anybody could deny that at this point. And now, after the bad loss to Ruiz, he was able to win back his belts, right, unified belts. And after the losses to Usyk, he's been able to bounce back and get a couple Ws. And I actually think his win over Jermaine Franklin is a little underappreciated. I think that was a solid win for him. Um, But his overall resume, the guys he has fought, the guys he has beat, and even the guys he's lost to, I compare that to who Wilder has fought. It's just better. Top to bottom, it's better. And I get that Deontay Wilder has flattened a lot of heavyweights with his right hand. He's yet to do that against an elite-level heavyweight. He's fought exactly one. And he did put Fury down multiple times. Fury's not that difficult to put down. He's been dropped. Josh McDermott dropped him. Uh, Steve Cunningham, a cruiserweight, dropped him. So you can put Fury down. Fury has major defensive liabilities. He gets lazy. He makes a lot of mistakes at times because he just kind of gets a little overconfident. And and he's, he's so used to his size and stuff bailing him out. You can catch him. You can catch him. Uh, and Wilder was able to catch him multiple times and drop him. I, I understand that. But outside of that, what elite level heavyweight has Wilder, first of all, fought? Second of all, knocked out. Now, on the other side, with Joshua, I get it. Like he has wins over guys like a really old Povetkin, um Joseph Parker, you know, guys like that. Now, would I call those guys elite heavyweights? Of course not. I would. They're better than the guys Wilder has beat, but the only elite heavyweight that Joshua's fought was an ancient Vladimir Klitschko. So we could give him credit for that win, but I'm not going to give him that much credit. The only elite level heavyweight in his prime that he has fought is Oleksandr Usyk, and he lost those fights. So neither one of these guys has really beat an elite level heavyweight in their physical prime. And if they fight each other, it's a huge fight for that reason. So if Wilder is able to beat Joshua, and decapitate him like many of you say he would. Um, That is the biggest win of his career. It'd be the best win of his career by far. And that would be enough to probably put him in the Hall of Fame, International Boxing Hall of Fame. That would stamp his ticket. On On the other side, if Joshua were to beat Wilder, and I think it'd probably be a decision, late stoppage, something like that, it'd be among his top wins, and it would stamp his ticket into the hall of fame. Um, both of these guys right now fall a little short in my opinion of hall of fame consideration. I do think Joshua was a little closer because he's unified belts and he was able to reclaim his belts after a loss. Those are two things Wilder has not done or been able to do. Uh, Wilder has twice avoided uh, or walked away from opportunities to fight for the undisputed heavyweight championship of the world. Um, so I, there, there's a track record there with both these guys. Anyway, I favor Joshua in that matchup by decision probably and um, possible late stoppage. That's just how I see it. But if, and when it happens, we'll, uh, we'll address it then. Okay, guys. Also on this card, uh, Philip Hergovich TKO 12 win over Dempsey McKean. Um, Not Hergovich didn't look great here. Look, Hergovich is extremely limited. He's a limited guy. I've said it for years. He's going to go as far as his chin. We'll take him. He had a really tough fight with Zhang last year, about a year ago. Won that fight, but it wasn't easy. And um, this was a get back for him. Um, He's not really going to improve much. This is who he is. I don't see him developing from here. So he's ready to go in there against the top guys. Why wait? And I think at this point, I want to say he's a mandatory for Usyk, I believe, for one of Usyk's belts. So at some point he'll be in line to fight him. Also on this card, Derek Chisora a unanimous decision over Gerald Washington in a ten rounder. Washington has now lost six of his last eight fights going back to 2017. What's funny is one of those wins though was a knockout of Hellenius that I talked about a few minutes ago. But for uh, look, Chisora and Washington, time to walk away, guys. Again, Washington got a good payday here traveling. He's gotten a couple of good paydays in the past with PBC time to walk away. dude. when you've lost six of eight going back six years. Yeah. Probably time to walk away. Derek Chisora, um, You go out here on the win, right? Cause you've had some losses in recent years, you know, a lot of tough losses. You go out here on a win at home. These are two guys that seriously need to retire. So there were three fighters, three heavyweights in these three heavyweight fights, three of the fighters, All right. Retirement point. Really need to walk away. All right. uh, Coming here to America, we'll start on the East Coast. Uh, PBC had a show from Maryland on Showtime. This was on regular Showtime. Uh, This wasn't a very good card. In the main event, Emmanuel Rodriguez, Puerto Rican bantamweight, scores a unanimous decision win over Melvin Lopez, who had absolutely no business being in a a title fight. I'm not sure why that was ever sanctioned. Uh, Lopez must have won some eliminator or something. I don't know but he had no business being in there. The reason why I even bring this up, because this card isn't even really worth mentioning, Emmanuel Rodriguez, uh, by the way, he dropped Lopez three times in the final round. Rodriguez is now a two-time title holder. He had the IBF bantamweight belt before, fought a way, was flattened in two rounds, just absolutely destroyed. He's lost twice in his career. Uh, the, only, the other loss was a very debatable split decision. It was a split decision loss. It was close. And now he's come back and won this this belt for a second time. Although it was a vacant belt, it was the belt that um, way left when he moved up in weight, right? Because he dumped all of his belts. So basically, uh, Rodriguez won the belt back that he had lost fighting way. But people forget, and I talk about Rodriguez before, he had over 100 amateur fights, a good amateur career down in Puerto Rico, 117 wins against 11 losses. This guy is a... World class operator. I'm not going to call him an elite level fighter, but he's certainly right underneath that, and he's a top level world class operator. And the fact that Naoya Inoue just blew through this guy, just destroyed him in two rounds. Inoue's resume is going to get better and better and better over the years. It's going to age very well. This win by Rodriguez, claiming that title again, showing he's one of the top maybe the top band weight in the world at this point, shows just how good Inouye is. And that's not even Inouye's best win, right? So I just thought the need to bring that up just to explain how good Inouye is and how some of his, several of his wins now have aged very well. The Maloney win has aged pretty well. And there are other wins uh, that have aged well for him. All right, let's go to the West Coast in Glendale, Arizona. Top-ranked a card on ESPN. Uh, not the greatest card in the world at all, but the main event was solid. This was the best fight of the weekend. It was the best matchup on paper of the weekend, and it lived up to the hype. Emmanuel Navarrete with a unanimous decision win over Oscar Valdez. Defends his WBO junior lightweight title. Navarrete has won titles at three different weights. Um, Evan corn at top right tweeted today that in the last few years, since winning his first belt, Navarrete, I think, I think it was 12 and zero is the statistic in world title fights. So that's a pretty good record. Now these are Bob Arum, you know, WBO, we're Bob's organization specials. I get that, but Navarrete has fought some quality guys. Now there's, there's a few of them on his resume. Valdez is his biggest victory, but you got to start giving this guy some respect, man. And, and look for the record, I, I picked Valdez to win this fight. Valdez had the better experience. He had faced better opposition, was more battle-tested against top-level opposition, win, lose, or draw. And I just thought that would carry him through. And, and Valdez did have his moments, but Navarrete was just uh, more, kind of more fluid, uh, just more relaxed, more fluid. Valdez was kind of tight and uh, tentative at times. And Navarrete let his hands go through a ton of punches and was able to do enough work to push Valdez back throughout most of the fight and, and bust up his eye. I think it was the right eye. Really, really bad. So Val- Valdez has been in some tough fights in recent years. Um, and so, so this lived up to the hype. Um, the, the crowd loved it. There was over 10,000 fans in attendance there and uh, Glendale is a suburb, I think, of, of Phoenix. So there is a good, um, a building fan base there for boxing. And Top Rank has had multiple cards there in recent years. And they'd be smart to keep keep that up because it, you know if you're doing over ten thousand for a fight like this, these guys are hundred and thirty pounders. They're not star fighters. Uh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That means you have something there. Keep, keep that going. Keep that going. Um, so look, this was a good fight. Entertaining, good scrap for sure. ESPN commentary crew kind of was going a little overboard in some of the social media stuff. And I get it. They're just promoters doing their thing. But they're, I mean, they were almost making it sound like this was, you know, Vasquez Marquez or Barrera Morales. Guys, slow down. Not quite on that level. Good fight. You could call us a fight of the year contender so far for sure. But I'm not going to put it in there like with a class, you know, with the classics, the classic Mexican wars. It's another great addition to the chapter in the book of, you know, wars of rivalries. And um, one of the great rivalries in boxing is Mexico versus Mexico. It's great. And look, you know, I know this will be controversial, but Oscar Valdez has lived in America since he was like one. So he's said, I see him as an American fighter, but there's this whole thing where I'm not even going to get into the politics of Mexican versus Mexican-American versus American. Versus There's this whole thing, particularly in the, the, the Southwestern states. A lot of uh, people born in those states, you could get Mexican citizenship and they view themselves as Mexican and not American. Anyway, the whole broadcast, Mexican versus Mexican. It's kind of Mexican versus American, but okay, fine. Two guys of Mexican heritage. How about that? Um, good fight. Good addition to that book. Like I said, but I'm not putting this up there with some of the all-time classic all Mexican rivalries, like like Vasquez Marquez, which really was Mexican versus Mexican, or Barrera Morales, which really was Mexican versus Mexican. It's not up on that level. So you can pump the brakes just a little bit. But uh, okay let's check some super chats real quick. Super chat from Sam, brother. Thank you. I appreciate it. He says, did you notice Helenius kept his hands up? Hmm. (laughs) I see what you did there. I kept his hands up early on in this fight. He didn't do that. uh, when he fought Deontay Wilder last, what was it last fall? Kind of strange, but whatever Sam with another super chat. Thanks again says, so too one-sided to be a great fight. Oscar got abused. Yeah, that's you're exactly right, Sam. You're exactly right. Um, the other fights I mentioned were great back-and-forth type fights where uh, both guys won, you know, at one point or another and, and did a great, great work. So, like, I just can't put it up there with those kind of events. Good fight, particularly for what we've gotten in recent years. We haven't got a whole lot of really, really good fights um in terms of the, you know, Two way action and stuff like that. But I'm with you. Uh, t- to me, this was a pretty one sided fight. Um, some people on Twitter, I think, had this like a draw. I didn't see that. I, I thought that Navarrete clearly won this fight. Okay, real quick preview. Um, this Friday, August 18th, there's a couple of club shows here in America on the zone. And then uh, Saturday, August 19th, there's a matchroom show for Birmingham, England on the zone. It's a pretty weak card featuring several prospects, so the zone actually has a few different events this weekend. none of them are really high level stuff. It's all basically club shows. Some of you out there may be into that and want to check it out. Cool, but um it's an interesting strategy from the zone here they're they're throwing on more and more of these club shows i've re- I've noticed um they've done this the last few weeks, and so you're getting content. Just I don't know if the content is necessarily worth the subscription price they're asking you guys for. All right, let's jump right into the phones here, guys. Uh, we'll take a few phone calls and uh, see what happens, see what's cracking. Let's go to 978. You're on the show. What's up? Michael, can I teach you
2: the matrio?
1: What's up, man? Hi, it's Jimmy. Jimmy, how what's you doing, on? brother? Jimmy
2: De Marino. what's going on? Wow, uh, man, long t-
1: long time no talk, brother. What's up, man?
2: Yeah, I know it's been been too long. It's just on a. I had this day off, and I I, I was meaning to catch a show. You're nice and early. You're living on the East Coast now. Um, yeah. uh weird weekend. I know Mexico was billed as the Mexican Great Standoff, right? And it was a one-sided, pretty much one-sided fight. Yep. Um, but yeah, that um, as far as the zone, because that's what you were just done talk with. Yeah, dude. What? The same time they 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 almost double the subscription price. Then they lose Canelo like their one yeah. big drawer and now they're just filling it full of uh domestic level trash. Yep. You know, no disrespect to those fighters, but two hundred and what, forty bucks a year for what?
3: Exactly just,
2: Eddie better start pulling some rabbits out of his hat. I think him um, I don't know if you just caught him what he said about, you know, going on a tirade about, you know, Crawford not being a superstar. Like he's like, I just found out all these things about him. How come I didn't know this? He was missing, you know, well, I think that was his way of uh, reaching out to Crawford to let him know, you know, hey, when you're done with that, you've got one more fight left on the PVC contract. Um, and then he's a free agent again. Um, so I think I'm him laying the groundwork to try to get him. But, uh, yeah, so Navarrete though, what did you think of his performance? Did you what? Who did you? I didn't see your prediction on that one. Who did you predict?
1: I I, I picked Valdez, man. I thought Valdez would win just because he had more better experience and he faced a better opposition. But looking back now, I realized that was a dumb pick. Uh, Navarrete just no, well it wasn't. Threw a lot of punches. No
2: dumb pick, Mike. Everybody went with that. Yeah. Steve Kim, I mean Vegas. Oh, Everybody went Valdez. with Valdez. So. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. Everybody. Yeah. So it wasn't, yeah, you weren't um, with most people. I just thought, no you know what it was? I, I couldn't have not already because I never, uh, I just didn't put that win over Bertelt highly. Cause I thought by then Bertelt was already worn. I didn't yeah. like the way he took those punches going into that fight. Um, so I never really rated that Valdez. And it just, it as someone growing up, I always looked at boxing from the trainer's things. So my grandfather, you know what I mean? He was a the Hall of Fame trainer and shit. So like, I always looked at boxing from the trainer's point of view. And I look at now, I'm like, how do you train to fight that kid? Like throws punches. His legs are doing one thing, and his upper yeah. body is doing something completely different. You know what I mean? Yeah. How he's do you mimic that? From... Yeah, you you can't. You can't. The length. He's got those like Crawford orangutan arms. So they're so long and he pushes, and it looks like he's got nothing behind those punches, but he's just driving them up on the floor. He's using his legs and he just drives those uppercuts into your head. Yeah, I I don't see anybody at 122. um, I mean, excuse me, 126 beating him.
1: Uh, He's at 130, though. He's at 130.
2: Oh, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. 130. Yeah, 130 beating him at at his division. Yeah, so we'll see what goes on from there. Um, As far as the PVC card, yeah, I mean, good, good on Manny uh, Rodriguez. Like you said, stamping anyway is an unbelievable all-time great. As far as I'm concerned, yeah. I mean, he took him on what in a what was it? Two like 178 seconds.
1: Yeah, he yeah. He
2: obliterated that
1: kid in two rounds. It was crazy.
2: And that and he looked sharp. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, that's why I don't know. Well, you know, the usual suspects—they never gave him any credit at all. None of them ever saw him fight, but. Who's he fought besides an old ass do air? That was, the, you know, going into the Fulton fight. Um, personally, I think he carried Fulton. I think he could have taken him out in the fourth round, you know, even definitely in the fifth. But um, uh, the comments Fulton made about, I was told um, that anyway was really not even about the hand wraps. It was the comment about, I feel he gets this kind of talk about him because he's a Japanese guy. And that really supposedly. Pissed off anyway. You know, and I guess that's what he was saying to him during the fight. Mm. Yeah, I got him really mad. Like now, you, you know. But you know, it is what it is, there, my friend. um But um yeah, so it that wasn't uh, what's that heavyweight who else who fought Nurbovich How do you think his name? Jurbaevich. Yeah, kind of vanilla ice cream. Yeah. yeah, kind of vanilla ice cream. He is what it is. It's not like yeah, he's he's going to go as far as his chin takes him yep. until somebody chin checks him, Joshua. I'll be honest, man, it's Joshua, it's like we're all waiting for him to duplicate that Klitschko performance. Mm-hmm. Right, getting up off the ground that there was great exciting fight. But if you look at his resume, since then the calm, the next following fight, boring is all outdoors. The following fight after that was another for <clears throat> he had some moments. But if you really look, Joseph, that was kind of a boring fight. He, he fights too tentative in this new style of this um, you know, straight one two yeah, it's just like he should have went in against Helenus and just obliterated him. He should've jumped on him early and just took him out. You do not fight somebody like Helenus that way. You know what I mean? Don't give him that kind of uh, you know, respect for his power, which I don't think is there. And um I don't know, I think I heard you talking about Helenus. I don't know what your actual theory is on that loss against Wilder, but I've seen many dudes knocked out in my lifetime. Many. And they never breathe. I'm talking about guys who are knocked out with their eyes open, they always breathe a certain way, their lips vibrate, oh, they make weird sounds. Like you don't turn your head and look off into the you know, crowd. where I, I think honestly, that night he was just looking for the first shot that hit him and he was gonna you kill know, hit the showers early. I think he paid for parking.
3: You know what I mean? He wasn't gonna hang around
2: too long, so it is what You're it is, alone, my friend. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Well, listen, Michael. I know you got a shit ton of calls probably hanging out behind me, and I want to keep it on because I'll fucking talk till a, till a <laughs> fucking sundial stop. So, <laughs> All Right,
1: man, it was good to hear from you, Jimmy. Call it, call in more, man.
2: Mike, it's always good to have you. Yeah, man. So I, we talk about you at BDA to my panelists over there. I'm always like, man, i like to get Mike on, but I know, you know it's a baby and
3: stuff. And now, I'd, what, I'd love to I get on there, man.
2: Cool. Oh, yeah. so you got a second one coming. Oh, yeah, no, second so, one's yeah, coming so, in October. Yeah, no, I was. Yeah, you got another one coming, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good for you, brother. Good for you. Uh, how's the wife? Everybody good?
1: Everyone's good, man. She's just over being pregnant. She's sick of this shit. So you know, I can't blame uh, her. She's been, uh, basically yeah. been pregnant the for two time years. The year, too.
2: Yeah, yeah. So yep. In the summertime, it's always the worst. In the, the summertime worst. here, here man. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you're in Atlanta, too, right? Yeah, so, man. So we're like it's pretty in a sauna. Pretty much on the equator. Exactly. <laughs>
1: I might as well be in the fucking exactly. sun. So, yeah, she's over it. But uh, we're almost there, man. We're in the home stretch. But, yeah, hey, hit me up, you, man. Because you know what it's going to be? Oh, it's going to be another girl. It's going to be another girl. So I have two Another girls. girl. Nice, nice, nice. So I'm going to prison Excellent. in about 15 Excellent. years when, they, when they're in high school. <laughs> 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 I'm going to be in prison. But, uh, yeah, man.
2: <laughs> no, no doubt about it. Hit me well, up about BDA, though. Right, do it right. Yeah, no, absolutely dude. So I was okay. like... I'm like, you know, it would be a good, uh, come on, you know, talk and give us, our uh, input. You always have great takes. Uh, so I, I mentioned before, I said, we've got to get Mike on here when we've talked about like different people that come on. Steve calls a lot, comes on, cool. um, uh, well, he gets a chance. So, but I uh, know, and they're, they're all definitely high on that. I'm like, yeah, get Mike on. So, okay, but, um, uh, yeah, no, I'll hit you up in a DM and shit. Maybe we can, uh, get some, getting something together. One of these big fights coming up just to get you on, get your input through.
1: Hell yeah. I boy, really let's respect do that.
2: your opinion. I. I think you you always have excellent takes. You have a good uh, mind for the game, brother.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
2: Um, No, definitely, 100%. All right, my friend, Michael, I'll let you get back to your calls.
1: All right, Jimmy. Thanks for calling. Ciao. All right,
2: Mike. You have a good one, buddy. All right, buddy. Peace. All
1: right. Always great hearing from Jimmy. Always great hearing from Jimmy. Super chat from Sam. Thanks again, Sam. He says, I was there. Navarrete hurt both hands and was still and still was tattooing Oscar. Oscar tried his butt off but had zero chance. 118, 110. Sam gets it's dude, you get to so many fights, man. Um, you, you get around, so that's awesome. And I know that you know your shit, so I, I take your uh, your word for it. I didn't realize Navarrete hurt his hands. Um, and some of that's probably just the way he punches. It's it's gonna he's gonna hurt his hands because of the way he, he punches. It's so unorthodox. But you're right about Oscar, man. Oscar Valdez. Never stop trying, even against Shakur Stevenson, where he was completely outclassed, outgunned, never stop trying. Uh, It's just not in his nature to quit, but man, he has been in some wars. That dude has taken some punishment, and I wonder if it's just starting to have an effect. Okay, back to the phones we go. I think this is Thad. Thad, what's up? How you doing, man?
0: Hey Mike, I gotta say that that last caller, I think I share a brain with him because uh, you know the things that he brought up.
1: Yeah, Jimmy's the awesome, and the, and the, man.
0: Jimmy's and a- the yeah.
3: yeah,
0: dude, he he sees exactly what I see. I mean, I mean, I'm not just saying boxing; I just saying like the whole shebang. Like he could, he could notice things, you know, in the world.
3: Yeah.
0: And um, I I will say about the anyway, yeah, he did carry, he did carry Fulton, and I, and I thought it was personal too. I and it was because of those racial uh, comments. Mm. And, it sure um, felt like it. If yeah, you go it,
1: back and watch that fight again, it's like, man, he could have flattened this guy at any point. Absolutely. He punished him.
0: He carried him. He punished carried him a little bit. And I think Crawford carried Spence as well. But yeah. out of those fights, out of the, the yeah, I think the, um, the most impressive, as far as, like, for me, my standpoint, like, I didn't expect it, was Navarrete and how he thoroughly dominated. Thoroughly dominated Val- Valdez. Um, and here's the funny part. I only gave him three rounds, Valdez, but um, I looked on the online, on my online account, and after the ninth round, when Valdez or um, Navarrete was shaking his right hand, and the announcers were saying, oh, you know, he hurt his hand, he hurt his hand. The odds flipped. They went from (laughs) Navarrete being a prohibitive favorite at the time to basically he was plus 100, and um, you had to pay some juice on Valdez to bet him straight up at so at that point the the odds maker's flipped mm. the script because the momentum they thought was changing i was trying to get get my bets in you know to take it out of Rattie at that point cuz i know he always ramps up towards the end but they kept changing the line the line kept changing over and over and over and i couldn't get my bet through mm. and then at the casino same thing like the line i couldn't you know get it in fast enough cuz the lines kept changing but uh, I just thought that was interesting if people wanted to know if you were lucky enough at the end and in the ninth round to get uh, Navarrete at basically even money. Wow.
3: That was a steal. Wow. That was an absolute steal.
0: So, wh- your point on Wilder and, and Joshua, all I got to say is this look at Stephen Fulton versus Inouye, look at Crawford versus Spence, and you see an overinflated PVC fighter that's been protected, that's been juiced up that uh, haven't really fought the best opposition that's been kept under a bubble at PBC. And you'll see Wilder versus AJ. Like you said, Wilder's only fought one elite fighter, and that was Fury. And he, he got, he got uh, bounced around like a basketball. Tyson Fury, he trained, what, three weeks for that third fight? He didn't have a full camp.
1: Yeah, the he first He was uh, and basically third fight, taking care of his wife. The first and third fight, Fury was nowhere near 100%. The second yeah. fight is Nowhere he was 100%, near. and you saw what happened.
0: Yeah, and he just completely – that was the most one-sided domination of any champion I've ever seen in my lifetime. And in the third fight, he trained three weeks because his, his, his wife was in labor and they had problems and complications, and I think he, he only got three heat. weeks of training. And, and he, All Yeah, time. and he still bounced Wilder around a, like a basketball. And sure, Wilder got in with a shot and dropped him, but like he said, he, he's been down before against smaller guys. So when AJ, when he sizes up Wilder, it's, it's going to be a massacre. It's going to be a one punch deal. I, I know Wilder. I know people think Wilder has this durability, but if you look back to his amateur days, if you look against, uh, uh, Howard Sconiers, Howard Sconiers actually wrote a, a an ebook, a, a short story for like four bucks four f- something. The guy's a great, a great dude. He actually sent it to me for free. You know, Just, the guy's a, you know, salt of the earth, Howard Sconiers. He wrote about that entire fight and what, what happened, and he took the fight on six days. He was drinking a six-pack <laughs> on his couch, and, and he got the call wow. to fight Wilder. Fantasy Springs, boom, gets out there. He said Wilder was trying to intimidate him. In the third third round, I, he just laid like a bellwether shot on him. He felt Wilder's weight on top of him, and he moved back, and Wilder fell like a sack of potatoes. He said he thought he knocked him out. The bell rang. I, they say the bell rang early. There's no video proof. I think they've hid that footage.
1: They've taken They're, the it trainers off of and YouTube. everyone came in to
0: rescue Wilder.
1: It, it was yeah. on YouTube because I and think there's
0: some funny business.
1: The the people Espinoza and those guys have removed it from YouTube.
0: Right, because it shows that Wilder was basically you know uh, chin checked. By a you know a solid guy a yeah, uh, cruiserweight.
1: Guy. One of the guys that go um, ahead. One of the Masters tournaments that I fought, or Masters events that I fought at here in Atlanta. There's a guy. Um, he's a light heavyweight that um, has fought Masters events all over the country. He's he's a really good amateur, um, mm-hmm. Masters level amateur. Right. He knocked out Wilder in the amateurs. We talked about that. He's like, yeah, I knocked I knocked Wilder out. Okay. I stopped him in the amateurs, and he's a light yeah. heavyweight guys like six foot six foot one buck 78 yep
0: and that's the thing uh when wilder was a prospect that's why i never got you know two behind him is because they said he didn't he didn't really have a chin and you know he was he was what he was but the pbc protection plan i've seen him on undercards mike atlantic city he fought a a european guy literally took the fight on seven days you know was he was hanging in there with wilder yeah he got put out but after what six rounds and then um Jason Gavern, he took the fight on 7 days he had, he had a stop between rounds like he was gassed like he was just out of breath like he was like i'm going to go i'm going to fall over if i go out for another round that was a stoppage if you look at Wilder's stoppages a lot of these guys are stopped on their feet including Gerald Washington he was stopped on his feet when he didn't even get hit
1: well Gerald so, actually won a few people, rounds in that fight too <laughs> Won oh, he rounds. won like four rounds. Yeah,
0: in The last round, he got dropped. And then, and then Wilder, it was a meme. He he followed up with this weird circus type of punch uh, combination and uh, didn't hit him once, but the referee stopped the fight. So if you're going to look back on Wilder, okay, don't be fooled. A lot of his stoppages come from, you know, just the referee stopping it for no reason or a guy in between his corner just gassing out because uh, they take the fight on six, seven days' notice. AJ's going to size him up and he's going to blast him out. I mean, granted, AJ, you know, if he comes in, you know, with some kind of mental block, anything's possible. But, but I think AJ takes him out with one or two punches. It's not going to be close. Just like Fulton, just like Spence, you know, just like Broner and Madonna, you know, all these built-up guys. Don't be fooled. How
1: many examples do you need? How many examples? How many well, times do you people? <laughs> we talk about the Colts. see. We talk about the Colts. If if and when that fight happens, Thad, and, and AJ, and look, I'm with you. Again, I'm not going to give my official prediction yet, but I, I'm pretty much in agreement right. with you on this. I think there is they are going to lose their shit because <laughs> AJ is a matrim guy, he's an Eddie Hearn guy, he's not American, yeah. he doesn't do the things Wilder does and talk and walk the way he does. And it, it, there's a lot of c- cultural animosity and just they're going to Very. lose their shit. I I honestly think the way Joshua throws his jab is longer and straighter and harder than yeah. any jab Fury throws. I think the first oh, yeah. ramrod jab he lands on uh, Wilder is going to change that fight instantly. That's Mike, you, you
0: might be, uh, you know, prophetic. Cause in the, in the second fight with Fury, when he jabbed Wilder Bingo. in the first, in the first round, it, it, know, boom, exactly. it, it hit him like a, yeah. Yeah. like a Mack truck. It knocked Wilder back and, and I'm to, and I'm over. watching it and I'm like, look at that. I said, it's over. Did you it's see I, I, that jab? just boom, it just I, I, exploded in his face and he went against the ropes.
1: That jab completely ended that fight and, and Wilder has not been the same since yeah. that jab landed. There's a reason, right? A lot of people don't notice that I've talked about this on the show
3: mm-hmm. but
1: vladimir klitschko and his team sparred wilder it was not remotely competitive his team wilder's team wanted no part of klitschko in a fight and that when klitschko nope. offered step aside money so he could fight stavern for undisputed back in late 2014 <laughs> wilder's team rejected ten
0: million him. or something
1: yeah they wanted like and an, Eight figures in a crazy amount. And, and Klitschko yeah. would have paid it. That's the thing. He would have paid it because yeah. he overpaid David Hay by tens of millions of dollars. But right. you think about this. Wilder turned down a shot at undisputed for a, a huge amount of money to take much less money to, to fight for the WBC title against Tavern. There's a reason for that. When he ate that jab from Klitschko, oh, they knew we ain't getting past oh. that jab. That's all Joshua's no. got to do against Wilder is get Vladimir yeah. Klitschko on the phone. Vlad can come into camp and work with him a little. They're good. Oh, yeah. Because they're friends. And and if you watch the early part, and that's why you know
0: it wasn't fun to watch in the first three rounds, AJ was working on the jab. He was just sticking the jab. He was out jabbing Helene. It's not, not saying that's a lot, but he was working on that. That was the game plan just for Wilder. Yeah. I thought he would Yeah, I thought he would come in and try to blast him out early because I thought that would have been the game plan versus Wilder. But no, it was to set the jab, you know, to to land it from range, to push the guy back, open him up and then drop the hammer. And then that was the game plan you're going to see against Wilder. So I'd love to see what those odds are going to be. I'm expecting because the let me uh, I'm going to be honest with you, Vegas. They they have a high opinion of PBC fighters because so many PBC fi- uh, fans bet PBC fighters mm-hmm. blindly. So they inflate the lines. It's going to be probably close to a pick 'em, and it's going to be giving away free money on AJ. Yeah.
1: That's,
0: so when when that when that, it's going to be a beautiful thing. <laughs> it's
1: it's going, going to be, going to be a free money. Thing. It's going to be free money, Thad. I'm, and, I'm telling you. Am, am I? Well, one last thing, Mike. Um,
0: speaking of uh, weird lines, for the, and I don't think this fight's going to happen because Haney's already pulling some bullshit. Ruger's Pro Great called out Haney and his father, you know, being very creative. He's already one step ahead of these two shysters. But, um, you know, because Haney's now relenting on signing his contract for that fight in October, which they're holding out. But uh, Vegas has that fight as Haney. Minus 450 So You have to put a $450 to win 100 on Haney. Now, I know that is for a reason. I know that's not because they think Haney's such a great fighter. I think they saw the Lomachenko decision. I think they know that Haney's father is a shady figure. And he has a lot of connections. And let me be honest here. Haney grew up very wealthy. Haney grew up in a, in a, a gated community. He grew up like far more privileged than you, me, or anyone on this channel. Okay. He was born with a silver spoon in his mouth because his mo- his uh, stepmother was very well off. There's a lot of pool behind the Haney's and Vegas knows it. And nobody's going to win a decision versus Devin Haney. I'm going to put that out there. Nobody. I don't care if it shook her Stevenson. He's not going to win a decision. Those judges will always be in favor of Haney for whatever reason. Okay. You want to put a tinfoil hat on someone, go ahead. But that's why the line is reflecting that against Progre, who's a much better fighter. Mm -hmm. And when Haiti gets away with his bending below the waist, which is illegal, you go to an amateur boxing match, and and if an amateur does that, but bends below the waist, that's almost disqualification if he does it more than once after getting warned, because that means you don't want to fight. You don't want to be there. How many times did Haney bend... Below the waist versus Lomachenko, and it wasn't called a lot. Using the elbows, the same thing to ward off the in, in fighting. Haney can't fight on the inside. He has two defense mechanisms: three, holding elbows and bending below the waist. Bending below the waist, in my opinion, is the worst because now it puts your opponent at a point where the only way you can, any place you can hit him, is behind the head or on top of the head. And that's why Devin Haney called Lomachenko a dirty fighter because they knew when they were using a bend below the waist, he's going to be vulnerable. And they didn't want Lomachenko taking those shots, even though it's legal tentatively legal. If your opponent turns his back or bends below the waist, but no officials call it in a Haney fight, none. So that's why you're going to see inflated lines with Devin Haney, not because he's a great fighter it's because the establishment backs this guy the same way they backed on their ward same way they back Floyd Mayweather. It's the same. They, they see a guy that grew up, that that is very well-educated, homeschooled, never went to high – he was homeschooled. He, was, he, he had the greatest tutors. Very well-read uh, and well-spoken. So he knows the game. He knows the people. He knows the players. He's not plucked out from, like, uh, West Baltimore like Tank Davis. He's not a wild card like that. The establishment can't get behind guys like that. They can get behind a guy like Devin Haney. And they want him to be the new Mayweather. That's what they see. They see dollar signs because they know that he has the belief system in the inner city community that will back him. And they know they can control him. So be aware of of that when you're betting his fights. He's going to be a prohibitive favorite. And it's going to be a head scratcher. But if you want the, the reasoning behind it, that's why. So if that fight does happen with pro-grade plus four, uh, you know, plus 400, I mean, he has to knock him out to win. He has to know that going in, and any of these fighters, I think they're going to outpoint Devin Haney, you could, you could win eight rounds against Haney and, and lose one, one, uh, 15, 113. It, it, it's just how it's written. So that's my take on that situation. I want to get your opinion. Because the odds are basically reflecting what I'm saying here, and they and they're slick too. They don't they don't know well, what what other people know about the background.
1: I'll will say this, and then I gotta let you go, Thad. We got we gotta move on. But um, go ahead.
0: You can let me. You can let me go, and let me just hear your, your comment.
1: Okay. All right, let like, other guys
0: get in. So how good going, bro. Mike? Thank you.
1: Um, that is correct. That Haiti grew up, I would call them upper middle class. Let's say, and. Haney is actually kind of insecure about that because um, it, this is something me and my coach have talked about a lot. Um, um, I don't know how to word this uh, in, a, in a PC way, but there's people that say Haney isn't real. He's, he's not, you know, he's not real enough. Okay. I'll just put it that way. Um, he gets criticized by some people. Um, he's not a real guy like Gervonta Davis is he gets that kind of talk because of the way he grew up so he's kind of insecure about that and that's why he kind of acts out sometimes on social and posts certain things and things stuff like that um but he is from vegas he he grew up there and he's part of that establishment so he's very well known and very well liked and his father um is very connected with all the 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 people there in the commission they um floyd mayweather was kind of a mentor and he looked at the way Floyd conducted himself within that commission. And Floyd told him a lot about the business. And so they they've lined themselves up in a, in a similar fashion to where, yeah, um, it, it it probably will be hard to beat Devin Haney by decision in Las Vegas. Um I don't I the establishment right now is with Javante Davis, though. I would say the American boxing establishment, because of who he's aligned with politically. And because of the money he brings in. The one thing that hurts Haney, he doesn't bring in the dollar figures, at least not yet. Now, if that changes, he will become even more powerful. But right now, I got to say, if Haney's fighting Tank Davis in Vegas and it's a 12-round fight and it's close, Javante's getting that decision. It's not going to be Haney. But most other guys, Haney's going to get the nod. All right, let's go back to the phones. And let's get – Nacho is on the line. What's up, Nacho? How you doing, brother?
4: I'm all right, Mike. How are you? Doing good,
1: man. Doing good.
4: Oh, okay. Um, That's really interesting, Mike, um, that dad kind of knew all that stuff behind the scenes with Haney. Um, I'm not completely surprised because it just kind of felt like the dad might be kind of, uh, you know, in that same – in that same lane with with Mayweather and with some of the people that uh you know that are in Vegas and I could definitely see them lining themselves up to be, you know, uh favored in in a lot of fights like where Haney's going to be fighting. I mean cuz exclusively he's been fighting in Vegas the last few years already, so it doesn't seem like he's planning on having fights anywhere outside of Vegas anytime soon and now I understand why. So It'll be interesting to see how many of his opponents actually will, um, agree to fight him in Vegas or if they're going to eventually try to force his hand and get him out of Vegas in order for him to fight them. Um, and then just,
3: uh,
4: <clears throat> real quick on the fight. Um, Mike, I, I kind of called it, but I was still a little bit surprised. I didn't think he was going to perform as well as he did. Um, Navarrete put on a hell of a performance. Um, I just felt that style of his was just going to be too much for Valdez. And and he proved me right. Um, you know, Valdez tried. He was as game as he can get, and and he gave it his best shot. But he was just unfortunately um, outgunned and, and just slightly outclassed. Um, but I do kind of agree with you, Mike. Maybe it's just um, the wars are finally starting to catch up with Valdez because Valdez has had a lot of tough, grinded out fights over the years. So maybe it's just that point where his body is just kind of starting to erode and eventually he, he's going to, you know, break down for good. So if I'm on his team, I kind of really start to look at the, the life after boxing because how many more grind out fights do you want to give this kid, uh, before it, you know, before his career is over? Um, and then he's really not going to be able to get another title shot anytime soon because the other belts are held by uh, different promoters and different uh, factions. So he, he would have to start basically uh, at the back of the line in order to get another title shot. And I don't know if he's going to do that. Um, I'm happy for Navarrete that he won. Um, I'd like to see the fight against possibly Cordina for sure. Um, I think that would be a good fight.
3: Yeah.
4: Um, The only one I'm a little nervous about would be if he fought um, Oshaki Foster because I think his style would give Navarrete problems. Um, not that Navarrete wouldn't be competitive, but I just – I think his style would probably bother Navarrete the most out of all the other bill holders in the division, Mike.
1: Yeah, I can see that. Um. I I think Cordina would be the way they want to go first. Obviously, I do think that's a great fight stylistically. Um, but, you know, the thing is, uh, I think it's all leading to an eventual fight with Shakur Stevenson. I think because Stevenson needs opponents, man, and they just don't have a lot of opponents for him. I think down the line, that's going to be the eventual fight they'll try to build to. But um, I I gotta admit, man, I, I undersold Navarrete a little bit coming into this one. I I did, and he what he does doesn't look beautiful. It, it's it's awkward, but man, it's effective. And he's proven himself now. I I, I don't think I'm going to bet against him again, man, unless he goes up against the Shakur Stevenson. I even think Oshae Foster. Yeah. I'm with you. His style is is going to be difficult, but I thought Valdez's style would be difficult for him, man, and he just walked right through him. True,
4: but I think Foster is uh taller and longer than Valdez. That's the only that's reason why point. I say
1: yeah, that's he'd a be a little
4: point. bit he'd be a little more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then uh, and then uh, with the uh uh with the P V C card mic, um I'm glad Emmanuel Rodriguez won a belt because now that makes uh the win that Inouye got against him, it makes it on his resume look even better now. Exactly. Because he beat a guy who's a two-time world champion. So they can't discredit Emmanuel Rodriguez anymore at this point and say he was a nobody when they knew he beat him. Like, that's ridiculous. So I'm glad he got the win, and, and now he, he becomes a player at 118. To me, he could probably be the dominant guy at 18 because I think so. all the other bell holders, Mike, I'm not sure that they're better than Rodriguez. I think Rodri- I'd favor Rodriguez to beat any of the other three belt holders in that division.
1: I completely so, agree. And, he and if i Team Rodriguez, he, he could, I'm trying to unify. Unify this thing.
4: Yeah. For sure. I mean, why why waste time fighting stay-busy fights? You you might as well go for it and try to get all the belts at 118, yeah. you know? Because the other three guys are very are very beatable, for sure. And then, uh just last like, um oh, well, I know you saw the whole thing with um, Gary – is it Antoine Russell? Is he Gary the Antoine junior welterweight? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, <clears throat> that opponent, man, sometimes you just got to wonder where they find these guys.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. For real. <laughs> I I don't know, man. I, I don't know. But it, it was a get back for for him because well, he was coming off that loss, right? So he gets back in the win column yeah. and they move on.
4: Yeah. Um, and then just lastly on, uh, Joshua. Um, yeah, Mike, I kind of agree a little bit with what that and, and, uh, well, sad more so than, uh, than Jimmy. I think they were practicing their game plan for Wilder in that fight against Elenius. Um, and yeah, it was a bit boring for sure. You know, there's nothing sexy about watching a guy just throw the one, two all night unless he's actually landing. And, you know, hurting the other guy. But it was definitely, um, you could see that that's what they're going to try to do with Wilder. And if that fight gets made, yeah, I mean, like someone was saying the other day, Mike, um, when the hell is Wilder going to fight again? It's been almost a year since he last fought, and he has no scheduled fight. So is he really going to go in to a Joshua fight not having fought?
1: Since last year, like that yeah, that Nacho, would be suicide. To your point, Nacho, I, I was looking at this today, man. Wilder has fought one round in almost two years. He's gonna have no fight this year. His last win over a, a solid heavyweight was Luis Ortiz. That was nearly four years ago. So, yeah, for people saying he's gonna destroy Joshua and Joshua has no chance. I think that's crazy. It's one thing if you favor Wilder, but to say that Joshua has no chance, I just think that's crazy, man.
3: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, then. And. Ah, you're breaking up, Nacho. They're nope. smart, though. At least give him a fight.
4: But, but yeah, I mean, at this point, I, I, I yeah, I'm not, I'm not so sure that they're actually going to give this guy a fight before that Joshua fight. It feels like he's going to walk into it basically just, you know, hoping that hoping for the best mm-hmm. and trying to win that fight against joshua without no real activity going into it so i mean yeah it, it, that's that, that that's gonna be a, a recipe for disaster in my opinion so all right mike i'm sure you got other people uh, i'll let you go all
1: right thanks nacho good stuff man thanks yeah nacho's always got great stuff let's uh oh let's see i want to make sure i didn't miss any super chats. Uh, Oh, another one from Sam. Thanks again, Sam. He says Wilder is shot chin-wise, they know it. Yeah, I, I mean, Wilder is always, I'm not gonna say he's been always been chinny, but he's 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 gotten clipped by numerous guys, he's been hurt by numerous fighters over the years. He's a very tough guy. And he, he pushes through it, and there's just absolutely no quitting him. He's got a ton of heart. But at some point, dude, like you're going to start to get uh, that it's just going to crack. And I just wonder at what point does he get in there against a guy like Joshua and just feel a hard one too? that right hand that that Joshua landed on Hellenius. I'm sorry, that sleeps Wilder. It sleeps him. I'm sorry. It does. Uh, Now, the question is, can AJ land that against Wilder? And that's a that's a big question. But um, yeah, I'm with you, Sam. I, I don't know, man. Um, did those wars with Fury and then this this several times, you know, because he was almost out against uh, Luis Ortiz, I think in the first fight with Luis Ortiz. And then there were other guys that landed a couple shots. I don't I can't remember specifics, but he's been hurt a few times. And eventually that wears on a guy. It just wears on you. And uh, at some point, dude, he's, he's going to be a liability because of that. So I just, I hope we see that fight. Obviously we're not going to see it this year. I think Joshua is going to try to stay active and get in the ring again, one more time at the end of this year, if he can. And then maybe we see it next year. I think that'd be great. If they delay it past next year, I'm going to get to a point where I just don't give a shit about it. But if they do it next year, 2024, that's still a damn good fight. And like I said, man, in overseas that's it'd be huge it'd, it'd do numbers it really would all right let's take uh maybe one one more two more uh three three six you're on the show what's up
3: yo mike what's going on what's up same shit different day my brother <laughs> how you doing man <laughs> Yo, fantastic man
1: what you think well, i, I didn't
3: today? see the never excuse me what you think about the show today like well, it's cool man good information. <laughs> it's a good show I didn't see the very beginning though I didn't see I like i got oh, i okay. like I got in like 15 minutes late so oh, I, I got didn't you. not see I got you know you. I, I guess you're talking about uh, Joshua first anyway right
1: yeah yeah that's the one I jumped into first and that, that's the thing man I think Navarrete Valdez was a good fight it was entertaining but to me, the most interesting thing to talk about right now is a fight potentially between Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder. That, to me, is yeah. the, the most interesting thing um, that we got out yeah. of this weekend. And and look, man, I, I mean, either guy could win that fight. I definitely think either guy could score a knockout. Yeah. I, just, I just think Joshua, I don't know, man. It's hard to know what Deontay has left, man. Because of those wars with Fury, and he just hasn't been fighting; he's been inactive. So I just don't know how much he has left.
3: Yeah, most definitely, I agree with everything you say. But because Joshua is also a chin suspect,
1: yeah,
3: all all what has to do is land one of them crazy, yeah, crazy punches. You know what I mean? So that's why it's going to be an even fight, I think, because. Yeah. Anthony did not impress me in this fight. Okay. I don't know what's going on. If he's trying to change his style, or whatever. He looked more mass, like he had been lifting or whatever, but I, he looks slow. I don't know, man. I don't know. Anthony, he's start, he starting to lose me, man. Yeah, I hear <laughs> so you. So we'll see what happens with this wilder fight. we we'll see what happens with fight, but I don't know, Anthony Joshua. Well, as I go, uh, Mr. Haney, third pretender to the throne. But well, he's going to fight Progray. Progray, I feel Progray should beat him. But as you say, he's going to be in Vegas. So you know how that goes.
1: Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> so, I don't think Progray
1: gets a decision. <laughs> if it goes to the cards, I don't think he gets a decision. <laughs> over right. Can Progray yeah. stop Pro him? That's the question. Can you stop him? Can you hurt him? Can he stop
3: him? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Unfortunately. But I, that'll be an interesting fight, though. Yeah. Interested I, like I like it. I
1: like
3: it. But... uh. I believe this is the third one getting ready to get clocked because he's he got the same thing as Fulton and the other guy, hmm. Mr. Spence. As soon as he gets put up against the real motherfucker, <laughs> <yo, laughs> it's over. Okay. Facts. <laughs> anyway, yo, man, it's been a fun, pleasing pleasure. Hey, how's it sound? How's everybody?
1: Everyone's good, man. I was just saying earlier in the show, because uh, mm-hmm. uh Jimmy was asking about my wife. She's just dog, she's been pregnant for like two mm-hmm. years straight. She's just over being pregnant. She's, yeah, man. She's like Yo, she's, she's like, I hate break. being fat. I hate being, you know, fat. It's all hot <laughs> here in the summer. It's like, baby, you'll get skinny again. Just you'll know, give it time. So so yeah, man, oh. we're in the home stretch. We're almost there. Almost there.
3: Yeah, man, you gonna have to be real gentle, to much respect for her because yo, that's back to back. Yes, so you gotta do like 100 percent for her. You know that, right? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Uh, boom, boom, boom. Probably forgetting something. Yo, how's your mother doing, man?
1: Uh, she's doing good, man. She, we we got her. I think I told you that we got her like in a home. Uh, like a yeah, yeah, community yeah. thing where you gotta be like fifty five and over. They got right. medical people that you know that kind of a thing. So she's doing good. Right, she's just right, um, right. Okay. that generation, that man. She's She was in a house all these years, and now she's in this tiny little studio yeah. apartment. So she's like, I'm bored. There's nothing oh, to do. And I'm yeah. like, Ma, go play bingo and shit. Go get out. Get out. <laughs> but yeah, so she's she's adjusting, but she's good, man. She's good. Okay. All right.
3: That sounds good.
1: All right, man. I won't take up any more of your time. Uh,
3: I'll talk to you again when next Monday, or you gonna have any more Friday shows again, or what? Uh,
1: event eventually after this baby's here okay. and things you know get a little more cleared up. Yeah, yeah eventually.
3: Cool. Okay. Cool. All right, BLT, Peace, my brother. Thank you, brother. Yeah. No problem.
1: All right, there he goes. All right, we're gonna take one more, guys. We got Michael Mendiola on the line here. Always good to hear from BLT. Always good to hear. Um appreciate you asking about moms. All right, let's go to uh, our last call. Michael Mendiola, call for... Uh, uh, I thought, okay, I got him. Yo, what's up, brother? How you doing? Hello. Hello, Mike, how are you, sir? Good, man, I thought I hung up on you. I was like, shit, but I did, <laughs> got you. So uh, how's, how you doing, man? <laughs> Thank
5: you, man. It, it, I'm I'm good, I'm good. I'm I'm glad to hear that you're, uh, your mom is doing, I guess, better. And um, I think I told you we're kind of dealing with that same situation right now with my mother-in-law. Yeah. Very similar. It seems to affect so many people these days. This, you know, this uh, this condition. Yeah. So um, it's rough. Man. Anyways, now it's that rough. we're done with the pleasantries, I'm glad that everything's going good. Blessings yeah. to you and Tiffany and the, and little Jackie and the new addition coming. But um, I don't want to talk too much about the Valdez fight. I think it's been, you know, everybody said the same thing. I just got back from the gym, and the the one word that kind of was the, I guess, the census, the the consensus was sadness. Everybody that I talked to, fighters that I talked to, I talked to trainers, fighters, and everybody said the same thing. They, they just, man, it was really sad to watch Oscar take that beating. And, you know, I know you, you touched on it a little bit, and I'm going to reiterate it. Anybody at ESPN and top rank calling for a rematch and trying to convince the public that this fight should take place again is really sadistic. Oscar Badez has no business being in the ring against Navarrete anytime soon. In fact, I think it's about time Oscar really takes a hard look at his career and says, Hey, what more do I need to do? Exactly. Um, exactly. A one punch KO or something quick would have been less damaging than that 12 rounds that uh, punishment. Absolutely. Um, and, um, I want to touch really quickly on, and this is not to bash the guy, because I think he does some has some great takes as it pertains to gambling, but I, I was actually driving and listening to the show coming back in the gym when Thad was on, and he, I, I know he's pretty much a PBC hater, and I hope he's still listening to this, because um, he made a comment about Stephen Fulton being protected. Now, I want him to go to BoxRec and look at Stephen Fulton's record. Anybody with any sense of dignity and honor would, would not call Stephen Fulton a protected fighter. He fought undefeated Angelo Leo. He fought an undefeated Brandon Figueroa. He fought a tough, durable Danny Roman. Then he loses to Inouye. This notion that the PBC just protects fighters, there are some fighters that maybe for financial reasons, they can. it appears that it's, it's a protection. But in all honesty, if Stephen Fulton was a protected fighter, he would not have made the trip 8,000 miles away and fought Inouye in Tokyo. So that that whole notion it just needs to be dispelled, and I think guys like that need to be called out on it. They just uh, the guy's great when it comes to analyzing odds and, and you know pre and in fight odds and the Vegas line, but when it comes to talking about the PBC, the guy just doesn't know what he talk, what he's talking about. And I pointed this out once before, and I'm going to point it out again. I'm going to do an interview very shortly with uh, with some PBC fighters and people that are actually that have been involved with the organization since its its inception, and this notion that pbc just tells fighters who they're going to fire protect right it's such bullshit mike and that's all i'm going to say about that just stay tuned because i think a lot of people they're going to have their eyes opened up to a lot of what of, of the truth and um please and please like i said i'm not i'm not you, here, here trying to that
1: bash that guy sorry to cut you off but when you do that interview please share it with me because because i'll i'll want to blast it out on my social and, and when you when you talk to those guys i think i know who you're going to talk to when you talk to them Ask them about the media relations at PBC. Because, Mike, you, you have to admit, they do a horrible job about being transparent with the media and the fans and explaining what their business plan is. Um, it, you That's have very to true. Admit, it, the-, the thing with Spence and Crawford. They wouldn't mention Crawford's name. They left him off of graphics. They wouldn't ask Spence about Crawford after fights in post-fight interviews. Jim Gray wouldn't even ask him about Crawford. Um, yeah. They did this for Very years, true. dude. So, so they have a real – and and I agree with what you're saying. I, I do think that some of the talk about PBC is over the top. and And, and, and there are PBC fighters who really want to fight the top guys. And Spence is ultimately who made the fight with Crawford happen this year. He deserves credit for that. But man, they are mm-hmm. they have such a bad PR problem over there. And Stephen Espinoza doesn't help with his shit on Twitter. Um, you you know where I'm going with that. But they really yeah, gotta yeah, get I their like messaging the down. Dude, their messaging's so bad. And I just think if they if they changed their media relationship or their media relations, sorry. I think you'd go a long way to helping their brand. So if, if you could slide that in during your interview, don't tell them it came from me. For sure. I just, they really could do such a better job with the way they handle the media and the fans and, and all of it. They really could.
5: For sure. And and you make some valid points and I will, I will address that when I do these interviews. And um, I actually have a lot of stuff already filmed, a lot of fighters I've been talking to the last several weeks, especially after the, the uh, Crawford-Spence fight, just getting their their specific takes on it and, and what they... In fact, I was just talking to a fighter today about something in relation to the Navarrete-Valdez fight and he, he just shakes his head and he just goes, man, he's, I read these comments and people just really don't know. And it's not... And it's okay to not know what you're talking about as it pertains to the business side of boxing because, listen, my 99.9% of these guys don't really know... They tune in to watch the boxing on TV and that's great. Boxing needs fans. Boxing needs fans can watch every platform but most guys really don't understand what happens behind the scenes how fights are made how if, if fighters are given options if fighters are told who they're going to fight what they're going to fight how many you know rounds they are going to fight so either way i don't want to belabor that point but i will say that the only thing that i can i, I guess in summation I, I i think the only thing with the pvc and the media relations how they maybe they, they don't mention or or probably there's probably a multitude of other fighters they don't mention the only thing that comes to mind is when like 20 years ago because i've 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 been a football i was a football coach for several years after i got out of boxing and then i've been back involved in boxing for about the last seven years but i remember watching the the old xfl the very very first xfl even the cfl in the arena league the nfl would never acknowledge that these leagues even existed and it was all part of their business model to say that if, if if the football is not in the NFL, you why are you even playing football? And I'm not saying that that the PBC holds themselves in that high of a, a regard that the other platforms aren't putting out good products, but I think the whole thing is as they're building their brand and continuing to try to build their brand is we're not going to acknowledge anything or anybody else. It's like Pepsi's not going to do a commercial. Uh, and and include Coke in their commercial or or, or vice versa. And maybe that's not the best analogy, but that's the only thing I could equate it to. Um, But I know this though, and I will say this, I'll give you a little. Go ahead, go ahead, Mike.
1: Uh, What I was going to say is, uh, I I see your point and and it's a valid point. Uh, It's just the structure of boxing is so different. And and like in, in the case of the NFL, the NFL is light years beyond what the USFL was. CFL, the best players in the world yeah. are in the NFL when it comes to American gridiron football. But PBC doesn't necessarily have the best fighters in the world. Neither does top rank, neither does yeah. matchup. It's all mixed up. And these guys got to work together and, and the, the best have to fight the best. And so, again, I just think PBC has a major PR issue. I think that's their biggest problem, honestly.
5: Yeah. You know, you're, you're, when you when you mentioned uh, the secrecy and how they, you know, the, the secrecy of the business model, the league very much from its inception has been, there's a lot of questions that are unanswered. A lot. Of, most people have never even seen Al Heyman live. Right. Most fighters have never even met Al Heyman live. They've seen him. They've seen the one picture that seems to be flir- floating around and circulating uh, on Google. Or, yes. I think it's the one picture. But like I said, I, 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 I talked to fighters just today that thought. That are still under contract with the PVC. Certain fighters that are have the PBC has options on them, and will be offering fights. Uh, a prospect that's coming up is probably going to be fighting on a PVC card very, very soon. So it it has been very kind of like like kind of secretive. And then the reason why the PVC was started, I don't know if you know the reason behind Al Heyman and why he even got involved in in boxing in the first place. But that's something that I'll discuss with you offline. It's not my place to say it over over the airways here. Okay. But, um, and this is not, this is not just to, to, to bash any other promotion or any other caller or and just to be the PBC defender, but I see value in the PBC. I really do. I, I, yeah. Listen, I, I, they've given us some pretty good fights this year. They gave us, I mean, ultimately, they gave us Spence Crawford. They gave us Tank versus Ryan, even though that was a bit of a set. And they'll continue to give us, you know, um, fights and they have in the past. I don't think we should shit on any promotion. I think the more, the merrier, because I'm a diehard boxing fan and somebody who is involved if this platform were to go away if this pvc tgb were to go away tomorrow well that would be a lot of less opportunity for some of the young guys that i work with professionals and even amateurs that are that are looking aspiring to become pro in near future mm-hmm. so there i have a little bit different motivation as to why i want to see the see it succeed um and you know i know you understand out of all the guys out there that make boxing videos that talk boxing i think you're the only one that really I mean, you were involved, you're involved in the sport even to this day, you, you know, attending a gym and training and trying to prepare for these fights and, and stuff. But I think most guys just don't really understand. And that's okay because if they don't really understand, it's okay. But I just don't like the whole matter of fact, like this is, we're going to say this and this is the way it is. And this is why it happened this way because they really don't know what they're talking about, Mike. And I don't want to p- p- call anybody by name, but there's quite a few guys that, that I've, I've already discussed with some of these fighters and they want to call these dudes out by name. So you're, mm-hmm. rest assured, you're not one of them. So a lot of guys are going to get put on blast. Now a lot of guys are going to get exposed and I'm curious and anxious to see their response.
1: Yeah, that's okay. I am I'm interested in seeing that too. And, you know, I tried to be fair. I I call out things that I see. I mean, you've heard me go after top rank. You've heard me go after match room. You've heard me go after Oscar and golden boy, all of them. Um, Oh yeah. (laughs) But I, I just, I, there, there is an undeniable pattern at pbc slash showtime right now for the last few years and i want them to succeed and my whole thing is they're the biggest platform in american boxing they are the american boxing establishment when you see that how they're tied into with the old corporate system and all that right um because everyone else is streaming and doing all that so i want them to succeed but i see just the the pay-per-view numbers continue to dwindle the ratings continue to dwindle there's a one-off here or there that breaks through uh for one reason or another but i just look at the current business model and i'm like how do you sustain this you got to start making some changes and some adaptations and um maybe they will maybe there's something in the works but it would it would just be a it would help them if they started being transparent with the media and said, Hey man, here's what we're doing over the next 18 to 24 months. Here's where we're going to go with this mm-hmm. fighter. Here's where we're taking that fighter. Here's where we see things playing out in this division where we got all the top guys. There's just none of that. There's zero transparency. There's always this shadow stuff and they delay everything yeah. so long, bro. So, so I I'd love to see PC yeah. start to thrive. I'd love to see that. I'd love to see all of them do well. But I got to call out issues where I well see said. it. You know, anyway, but you know, great, great Carter. call, man. Great fucking call, Mike.
5: Hey, la- lastly, Mike, I'll just be very quick with this. I want your real quick take, and I can I- take it off air. I'll hang up. But okay. um, the fight on Showtime, Maestri versus, uh, the tra- I think it's Trayvon Marshall, the prospect. What did you think of that? I know Rick Glazer on, on um, Twitter, he was basically saying they just ruined a fighter. But I- I'm of the opinion. I like seeing these prospects get tested early. Maestre is a guy that really needs to be taken a look at. My brother told me about him about a year and a half ago. And this kid, he's only in his fifth or sixth fight. And he got started late in boxing, or he, he took a pause in boxing. I think he's from Columbia. But what is your take on that? Do you think that feeding up a prospect, a tough guy too soon, is detrimental? Or did they save us from the guy being 20-0 and 0 and, then, and then six months or two years down the line, we get callers like that saying, well, he was protected the entire time. What is your take on that? And I'll take that off. I'll Perfect. take that offline. Thanks, Have a Mike. great rest of the afternoon, brother. Have a great week. And we'll
3: talk soon.
1: All right, brother. Thank you. Great freaking call. Um, and and see, what I love about this show is, you know, Thad gave one side his opinion and then Mindiola gave another side, uh, you know, so, so you got two sides of that coin and you guys can decide what's right, what's not, what's, you know, maybe it's somewhere in the middle, whatever. But that's what I want on this show. I want different types of opinions. I want you guys to call in and share your opinions. Um, and then, you know, I'm always going to share mine, but to, to Mike's point, um, I like when these guys are, are challenged. I like when these prospects are matched up tough, but the problem is there are fans and I'm not talking about any specific person on this show that calls in or anything like that, but just fans in general, that will shit on a guy when he loses or has a tough fight, he doesn't look very good. Um, he struggles, even if he wins, he struggles. It's close. There's a you know split decision or something. And the fans say this guy's overrated. He's been exposed. It's either that, or we get like an Edgar Berlinga situation. There, top rank guy, the top rank protected. How about that? And uh, ESPN, Joe Tessator, five thousand times per broadcast. First round knockout streak. First round, yeah, against guys I could beat. Um, yeah, okay. So, so and then finally, he kind of gets. I don't even think he's lost yet, but he's kind of been exposed for what he is, right? I want to see these guys get matched tough. That's the way it was throughout most of boxing history. And I think that if we can get over this obsession with the O, the undefeated record, and get over this obsession over losses, guys, if you go back and you look at most, the overwhelming majority of the greatest fighters of all time, some of them, they all had losses, but some of them had bad losses like embarrassing losses, okay? Think of Anthony Joshua's loss to Andy Ruiz. Think of Vladimir Klitschko's loss to Corey Sanders. That level, um, uh, Lennox Lewis's loss to Oliver McCall. That level of loss where they're losing against guys that they should have not only beat but dominated, right? And they lost badly. Some of the best fighters of all time have losses like that on their resume. You are allowed as a human being to have an off night. We all do, right? I know I sure do, or off day, whatever. Uh, But in boxing now, particularly in American boxing, there's this obsession with being perfect. And everything's got to line up just perfect. Well, to to the point of the whole PBC thing, if you want things to line up perfect, the fights are going to get delayed. The biggest fights will get pushed back. And it's up to you guys as the fans to say, we don't want that. I'd rather see guys maybe have an off night here or there on the way up and let's get the fights. Let's have Crawford and Spence fight three times and maybe we see now how great Crawford is, right? What if Crawford fought Spence in the first time Crawford was just annihilated, like Corey Sanders annihilated Vladimir Klitschko? What if that happened? It was just a debacle. And yet he was able to come back and win the second and third fights like he just did uh, in the one fight against Spence. We'd still see Terrence Crawford as this great fighter, right? Because he was able to bounce back from that. And that has just been lost. And if you, the fans, change your attitude a little bit, maybe these promotions will change the way that they're marketing to you. I feel that a lot of times these guys are just responding to um, what the fans give them. You know, and and if you allow and enable certain things, they're going to keep doing it. All right, real quick, couple super chats. Uh, Sam with another one. Thank you so much once again. He says, "PBC, they all fight each other. All decisions, pretty much. I I mean, I think of all those welterweight fights with Spence over the years, while they were pushing uh, Crawford away, right, and trying to minimize him, Uh, they they, they were sold as these big, huge matchups, you know, against the the Garcias and against." Uh, Porter. These are all decisions. They ended up going to distance. And again, to me, what it shows is there wasn't that much of a level difference between those guys. They were all kind of in the same level. And then Crawford gets in there and annihilates Spence. And that just shows a huge gap in their levels. So that kind of puts things into perspective um, Aaron Gortman with a super chat. Thank you so much, Aaron. He says, brother, Mike, our Australian boxers so tough because we spar 15 rounds three times a day versus heavyweight kangaroos. That might be something to do with it. Yeah. Then you guys throw boomerangs and you, you let the boomerang hit you in the face while drinking a Foster's beer. You know, that's what most Americans think of Australians. (laughs) Uh, Good stuff, Aaron. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for the support. And uh, we got Sam with another one. Thanks again. He says, Lennox's two losses were one punch stand-up knockouts. It is the real bad beatdowns that can ruin a fighter. You're totally right. Absolutely right. And again, uh, same thing with Klitschko, right, Um, where he got knocked out, but he didn't take beatings. In terms of rounds, Vladimir Klitschko lost very few rounds in his career. Same with Lennox Lewis. That's why those guys were able to come back and do such great things after such devastating knockout losses. All right, guys. Woo. Good stuff. Appreciate the calls today, everybody. Uh, Let's uh, do it again next week, probably. Um, Although the schedule's kind of weak. Maybe we'll do it next week because we have a good one to preview. We'll do another one next week. All right, guys. Enjoy the rest of your week and uh, pay the fee. Pay that fee. Appreciate it. Love you guys. Peace.